Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Melanie C., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, May 18th, 2018, and this is the 10 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today, we are studying from the big book, and we are on page 60, starting at paragraph 3, being convinced we were at step 3, reading through two paragraphs today and commenting on those. Today's readers are The 12 Steps, Kathy G., The 12 Traditions, Susan R., and reading the text today, Nancy T., Sherry K.B., and Jordan L. The reference numbers, your share ID numbers for the previous 10 a.m. meeting, which was yesterday, Thursday, May 17th, is 11428, 11,428. And for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting today, May 18th, 2018, that share ID number is 11429, 11,429. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating, and compulsive food behaviors, and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Kathy G. to please read the 12 Steps. Thanks, Melanie. Good morning, everyone. It's Kathy G., a recovered compulsive overeater from Illinois. The 12 Steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, 
We tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks so much, I pass. Thank you, Kathy G. I will now ask Susan R. to please read the 12 Traditions. Good morning. This is Susan R. calling from California, living in Rhode Island. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us <clears throat> from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ <clears throat> several workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous shall has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for allowing me to serve. I pass. Thank you, Susan R. Appreciate the service. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today we resume our study in the big book on page 60, paragraph 3, which begins with being convinced we were at step 3, reading through two paragraphs today and commenting on those. And I'm going to ask Nancy T. to open up that discussion by reading those two paragraphs. Come on, Nancy. Good morning, Melanie. Thank you so much for your service. My name is Nancy. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Lewiston, Idaho, and ready to read here. Being convinced, we were at step three, which is that we decided to turn our will and our life over to the God as we understood him. Just what do we mean by that? And just what do we do? 
The first requirement is that we be convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. On that basis, we are almost always in collision with something or somebody, even though our motives are good. Most people try to live by self-propulsion. Each person is like an actor who wants to run the whole show, forever trying to arrange the lights, the ballet, the scenery, and the rest of the players in his own way. If his arrangements would only stay put, if only people would do as he wished, the show would be great. Everybody, including himself, would be pleased. Life would be wonderful. In trying to make these arrangements, our actor may sometimes be quite virtuous. He may be kind, considerate, patient, generous, even modest and self-sacrificing. On the other hand, he may be mean, egotistical, selfish, and dishonest. But as with most humans, he is more likely to have varied traits. Wow. (laughs) It's like, boy, there's a lot, lot in those two paragraphs. Um, step three, I was told um, in the very beginning that step three was the first action step of the steps where I had to actually make a decision. And what a decision that is that I've come to learn early in my um, recovery days. I looked at step three as surrender of my food. And that is not at all what this instruction here says. And I came to learn that this is turning not just my, I'm not just surrendering my food, I'm surrendering my will and my life. And I have to do that 100%. This is really where that half measure is availed if nothing comes in. And I can't just surrender um, 50% or 60% or even 95%. Um, I need to give 100%. And what freedom I have had since I have been able to do that. Um, I love this part in the second paragraph there, the first requirement. That means before we do anything, we have to be convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. Well, I was like that actor. I laugh every time I read that paragraph describing the actor because that was me. And I used to think that I had all the virtuous traits and none of the egotistical, um, mean, self, you know, um, selfish and dishonest. But I, I was I was like most of us. I had both. Um, but I, if I'm not convinced where it says that my life can hardly be a success – then I'm not going to make that decision. If I think, if there's anything in me that thinks my life is at all working for me, I'm going to keep doing it because I like being the boss of my own life. However, I've learned through different assignments and workshops I've done and studying this big book that I've written out um, what has happened, what is my experience with running the show my way, and it always ends in a disaster. And then if I if I uh, counter that with how does my life go when I let God run the show and be in charge night and day, Jekyll and Hyde difference, and um, letting God run my show is the easier, softer way for me. And that's my decision today is to let God run the show for Nancy. Thank you so much for allowing me to be of service. I can't wait to hear more of this show. Thank you, Nancy T. And so that does open it up for others to comment on those two paragraphs. Page 60. Paragraph three, being convinced we were at step three through two paragraphs. Who would like to comment? Lindsay, Jen A. Okay. Marie J. I have Jen. Marie. I got two before. I got you, Lynn. Thanks. And I have Jen A. And I have Marie P. Carrie K. Marie J. That's Marie J. Sorry about it. Carrie K. Mm-hmm. That's it for today. Okay, great. I have Len P, Jen A, Marie J, and Carrie K. Good morning, Len. Good morning. This is Len P from sunny California, calling from my hot tub, as usual. 
And, you know, this is actually um, an amazing um, uh, point in step three. I, and, and I've been in a way so long, and yet, you know, I didn't get it. And one of the things I didn't get was uh, this whole idea of outcomes. You know, my higher power is uh, in charge of outcomes. And what that means is any expectation that I have of how something's going to go down, uh, and if I try to manipulate it to make it go my way, per se, um, if the result isn't my way, you know, I would get frustrated. And, and um, this goes right to my disease, you know, character traits of wanting to control everything. And in recovery, what I find is that no matter what happens, as the book says, um, it is the correct thing. And a lot of times I don't believe it at the time that it's happening. You know, I went through uh, a period where I was very depressed. You know, my uh, ex-wife left me, and it was one of those things where, you know, I was pleading with her not to leave and the whole thing. And now looking back on it, it was exactly what I needed at that time. You know, it was not a good thing for me, but yet I wanted it to go my way. And so, you know, God is like my GPS. He knows exactly what I need when I need it. And it may seemingly not go my way at the time that it's happening, but um, God always has a plan. And uh, I'm just so thankful that I'm able to let go of this idea of being responsible for results or taking credit for the results in my life. Uh, the fact is, is that I cannot take any um, credit for the results that happen. I could do all the indicated footwork to get to a certain goal, but if my higher power doesn't want me to have that thing, uh, that's okay. And there's always a lesson to be learned when I don't get something my way. And, um, you know, it's just a continuous process of spiritual and emotional growth. And uh, I am so thankful that I am today recovered. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Len P. Jen A, you're next, and then Marie J. This is Jen A. Could I be heard? Mm-hmm. Good morning. Thank you so much, and thank you, everybody, for showing up today. My name is Jen A., uh, Recovered Compulsive Overeater, Anorexic, and Bulimic from Littleton, Colorado. And we end with that God could and would if he were sought. So up, upon that last line that we read yesterday, um, God... Um, can and will if I truly seek him out and I am convinced um, but then I have to take action and for me it was that um, it was a serenity prayer that came back to me at this step because I didn't know the third step prayer yet right um, I only knew that serenity prayer and I prayed it and prayed it and prayed it I, I wore it out um, you know in, in the first uh, 59 pages and uh, what was the big turning point for me it was the courage portion like courage, I had, you know, to get courage, the courage to step out with a heart full of courage. I just want to step out in courage and say, yes, yes, I can do this. No, I can't do it, but God can, right? And so if I'm to turn my will, which is my thinking, and my life, which are my actions, over to God, I mean, that's huge because my thinking and my actions were causing me harm they were causing other harm other people harm and as we'll continue to read in this chapter you know and it, it continues to cause me harm today i'm going to be totally honest 
I have to stay here and I have to keep repeating that third step prayer over and over again today now that I know it, now that I've been through this third step. But my first thing was is that I needed to find the courage to do this. And I had watched other people do it, and I saw other people, and I heard other people on these lines, and then a few people in meetings say that they were recovered. And I thought, you know what? If they can do it, I can do it. And so I dove in, just dove straight off the diving board, and I was like, I, I'm going to do this. And God has showed me amazing things. Um, and I just know that God's plans are better than anything I could have ever imagined because I chose to step out with a heart full of courage and I was convinced at this step three. So if you're out there today and you're wavering in step three and you're sitting in it, don't sit. Go for it. Step out with a heart full of courage. Go for it. Test God and see how God can truly work in your life and the miracles and the rearrangements that he can make in this practical program of action. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Jen A. Marie J., you're next. And then Carrie will come after you. Hi, Marie. Thank you, Melanie. Hi, this is Marie J. Recovered in Colorado. Um, boy, this is just so power packed. You know, when I'm running the show, a lot of times I have good intentions and I have good motives. But what I have to realize is that they're still my intentions and they're still my motives. I still want things to go my way because I want ease and comfort in my life. And this came up to me all, all this week. I've been talking about this uh, situation with my, my relationship where I was, uh, you know, oh, so surprisingly being self-righteous. And my thoughts were that surely my husband wants what I want in this situation because this is for our good. This is for our marriage. And, you know, when I finally realized after three days that I, I – Maybe he doesn't want it. Maybe this is not what is right for our marriage. Finally got to a point where I could accept that. That's when I was able to surrender it and say, okay, God, I accept this. This is what is. So acceptance has to come for me for before surrender. And then I can give it over and say, okay, I accept what's going on here. And I'm going to give this to you and let go of the outcome. And it's really vulnerable and scary for me because my ego tells me that I will die if I don't get my way. And especially when my motives are good, when my intentions are good. And my internal roommate in my head, that ego just gets louder and louder. You're going to die. This is just, you know, it's all going to go to hell. And I have to remember that no matter what my motives are, I have to give everything to God and just take the next right action. I have to be willing to be in the discomfort of the pause because sometimes the pause, in my case, it was three days. It was three days of discomfort because I'm stubborn and I'm in a lot of self-will and I don't want to let go of the outcome because this is what I think is the best. And so, I have to really remember that even though my intentions are good, I still have to accept what's going on and then I can give it to God and then I can let go of the outcome. And one of the ways that is really important for me to practice surrender is through meditation. Just being able to sit quietly and allow God in. Allow that power to be in charge and be in my body and be in my heart and take over my mind so that I am not hooked into believing that because my motives are good, I get to be in charge. Yeah. 
I think you passed it. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I passed it. Okay, great. Thanks. Thanks so much, Marie J. And now, Carrie Kay, it's your turn. And then we're going to open up for others to share on paragraph three, being convinced on page 60 through two paragraphs. Just wanted to let you know so you get ready. Hi, Carrie. Sorry about all that. (laughs) That's okay. Thank you so much. And thank you for leading the meeting today. So this is Carrie Kay, a hopefully recovering compulsive overeater in Colorado. And I apologize. I know my sponsor is also on the call today. So some of this will be repetition because she and I have been working on this very concept most of the last week for sure. I am definitely a control freak. And I don't know that I would have recognized that much more been able to verbalize that before I was in this program, but I am a control freak. And the story that came up that I hadn't thought about in a long time is when I was very young, less than 10 for sure, I was playing at a friend's house and she and I and her little brother were playing and he always played the dog. But not only did I tell him what part to play and how to play it, I even told him his dialogue. I gave him very specific instructions, just like the director of the play. I want you to come in this room. I want you to say the following, and then I want you to lay down. And it never occurred to me, I have always wanted to be in control. And so with this disease, recognizing that I can't be in control, that it's hurting me to be in control, and that I have to give that control away, What a foreign concept. And it's also made me recognize how many times just in my daily life I'm trying to be the director and to be in control and to say what other people should think and say what other people should say. And so it's not an easy step, number three. It sounds pretty simple, but it's definitely not easy. It's recognizing this defect that we have or I have and being willing to surrender it and give it away. So I have a feeling we might be working on it for another week, but at least I'm willing to work on it. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you very much, Carrie Kay. Appreciate that. The lines are now open for additional people to comment on page 60, paragraph 3 and 4. Andy, I'd like to comment. I heard John Kay, and I heard a woman. Julie was Andy that Andy Julie E.B.? Julie E.B., and I heard a Sandy S. Sherry K.B. Sherry K.B. Anyone else? Julie E.B.? I think I got Julie E.B. Yeah, I did. Thanks so much. Sorry. (laughs) Anyone else? Jordan L. Jordan L. Okay, that sounds good, too. And uh, just in the interest of the recording, if, if folks are outside or, or moving about or whatever, if, that, if we could pause for just a moment, that makes a nice, clear recording. Sure, we would appreciate that for sure. And so, Julie E.B., you're next. No, wait a minute. Let me do this right. John K., you're first. And then Julie <laughs> E.B., and then Sandy, Sherry, and Jordan. Okay, thanks. You're first, John. I might have confused folks. It's okay. I'm pretty confused myself. This is John Kiernan, recovering <laughs> compulsive overeater in Los Angeles. Um, 
All right, I got to tell you, when I first came into the program, you know, back in the Jurassic era, um, this section hit me like a ton of bricks because it's so true for me. It was so true for me. I was a great guy as long as everything went my way, you know. But if it didn't, then I'd be either angry or become a petulant little kid, you know. And, you know, it, it took me years of, of program and therapy uh, to realize I came by this honestly. You know, if you grow up in a, a household of chaos, it's really easy to become a control freak because it, for me it was a necessity. You know, it was in my little kid brain, kid brain a, a matter of life and death. You know, now it wasn't really, but that little kid didn't know that. And so then you fast forward to becoming an adult and this character trait, well, I don't really like defect, uh, but, you know, the trait had become a liability in my life and because it's amazing how people don't like being told what to do all the time. And, and even though a lot of times I was right, it's not my place to be the one always pointing it out. And I, and I would. I would I would do this about situations that could be better, or I'd be telling people how to run their lives. You know, meanwhile, my life is in a shambles. <laughs> you know, I heard somebody once say, other people are not imperfect versions of you in, you know, in need of guidance. But, you know, I didn't get that. And, uh, and more importantly about this trait is that it was killing me. You know, guess what? Things are not going to go my way all the time. In fact, they often don't, sometimes rarely. And that's where the whole concept of living life based on the third step comes in. It, it, it's not necessary, I think, uh, to have a life where you're constantly imploring divine guidance, but it's more of a life of get out of the way, you know, in terms of accepting life on life's terms. You know, sometimes when I'm explaining the steps to a newcomer or sometimes to outsiders, you know, some of them are agnostic. And I tell them, look, if you want to think of the steps in secular terms, think about it as a program of ego reduction. And and most times that ego reduction isn't some pious thing we're doing for lofty goals. It's there to keep us sane. You know, I mean, when things don't go fine way now, I, I sort of developed a new third step prayer whatever, you know, and it helps me dealing with frustration and disappointment, you know, and part of this is that when you get to a certain age, I think, you look backwards, and you see how many of these things that were frustrating and disappointing over years turn out to be the best things that could have happened, so it makes life a little easier to navigate on a daily basis, and, oh, and one last thing, for most of us, this stuff isn't in the past tense, <laughs> you know, it's ongoing, as in, we constantly remind ourselves we are no longer running the show. And boy, I have to do that many times a day. And with that, I'll pass, Melanie. Thanks, John Kay. Julie E.B., you're next, and then Sandy S. will come after you. Hi, I'm Julie, gratefully recovered in the state of Colorado, one day at a time. Um, this morning, I was once again humbled as I was listening uh, to the recording of the morning meeting coming downstairs, encountering my many teenagers, and uh, got in the business of trying to run the show. Uh, thankful that I could do a 10-step, that I could see now that this is self-centered, see now that this is about me. Um, and uh, one of my favorite phrases from program, I am not God, I do not know what's best for others, and most of the time, I don't know what's best for myself. And when I remember that, life is smoother. And that, for me, seems to summarize this life I try and live, where I think I know uh, what the actor should do and the stage writer should do, what everyone should be doing, um, and lose focus on what I can be doing. I have the option to lean on God, to lean on my higher power, to see things a different way. 
So today I pause when irritated and doubtful, asking for just the next right thought or action. And this is the way of life that is worth living. So if you're getting started and you have the chance to pause or you have the chance to see uh, what you can change, which is your thoughts and attitudes and actions uh, with the help of your higher power, I just encourage you to keep going. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Julie E.B. Now, Sandy S., you're next, and Sherry K.B. will come after you. Hi. Um, can you hear me? I can. Okay. An exa- this step is hard for me because it seems so abstract. But I will tell you, right now I did something where I surrendered. I was just on the treadmill in the gym, and I just got off the treadmill, went into a room, and I'm sitting here. You know, um, I think the hardest thing for me to surrender, and if anyone wants to call me later, if they have my number, is not being the person I want to be. And I'm pretty powerless over that. You know, that is, I mean, I am on my 10th step every single day because I hate how I am. And, uh, you know, I'm unable to surrender that image of how I should be. And it's killing me. And, uh, yeah, I am a control freak. And the first thing I want to be in control of is myself. And what I realize is I am powerless over this. But one thing I do have is choices. And, like, what I'm choosing to do is when I do my 10th step, I mean, I am so aware of everything wrong with me. I mean, that's, that's like, my favorite thing, to get out that flashlight and just show you what's wrong with Sandy. And the turnaround for me that I've added is being grateful for what's good inside of me. And I'm just going to say it on the line, what's good inside of me. What's good inside of me is that no matter how I'm feeling, what I'm thinking, I am always willing to take the next right step for my recovery, whatever that is. You know, I really ask God, what is the next right step? So that's, I just want to put that out there. There's a lot of things good about me. You'd never know it. By talking to me, you think I'd have the crappiest life. I don't. But I just need to learn to accept the things I cannot change, which is who I am. And to really be willing to let go of my old ideas of who I am. You know, the food has been, I've been recovered with the food for a long time. And I don't take it for granted. But I really need to know, I could turn over the food, but can I turn over who I am? I'm willing to do that. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Sandy S. And thank you so much for your effort and consideration of A Quiet Line. Appreciate that for the recording. Sherry, KB, you're next. And then Jordan, you'll go after. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, everybody. It's Sherry KB in Northern California. Uh, very grateful, recovered, compulsive editor. And thank you so much for your service and everybody on the line. And and welcome, newcomers. And um, wow, you know this is this is powerful stuff. And I have read this so many times. And I listened to the earlier morning meeting this morning and um, listening to everybody here. And you know, it's being convinced. And and you know, it's here twice. Being convinced is in the first paragraph and then we you know the first requirement that we need to be convinced that life run on self-will can hardly be a success and you know i have so many examples in my life of me running the sherry show and how it had not been successful 
and that just because I'm recovered, I mean, you know, I hear people go, oh, well, you know, you're recovered. Like, so that means something as if I'm going to be able to, uh, from here on out, uh, not deal with any of my character defects or any of the stuff that they go away, and they don't. You know, uh, every morning when I wake up, I turn my will and my life over to the care of my higher power. I have to every day because, as somebody said, I remember hearing this years ago on the line, you know, I turn into a pumpkin by midnight, and then I have to start all over again in the morning. Um, and that's the thing, and I this thing runs really deep for me that I am seeing um, because there's layers of peeling that that layer of, of trying to run the show and seeing how cunning, baffling, and powerful me trying to run the show is just as cunning, baffling, and powerful as my disease of eating has been. It's the same thing with my emotions, with my feelings, and my thinking. Oh, my gosh. And I just, you know, I have to constantly ask God in. I, God has to be my constant companion because if I let myself run the show, I'm in big trouble. And, you know, I spent decades trying to do God's work, I mean God's job and not God's work. And um, I have so many examples in my own life, and especially one in particular, that I was trying to control so much uh, in my life that, you know, I did a lot of damage um, to myself and to my loved one. I mean, in in a lot of ways, um, they were unmarked, you know, never something physical, but just <clears throat> I look back and I realize what was the common denominator in all of these. It was me. And it was me untreated. It was me not recovered, not turning my will and my life over to the care of my higher power. And I know that when I do this work and I turn my will and my life over to my higher power, I can practice the principles in all my affairs. And if I can't, I limit my affairs. And I have a spiritual toolkit laid at my feet, which are the 12 steps that help me to not try to run the Sherry Show anymore. Because when I do, it isn't pretty. <laughs> it isn't pretty. And with that, I pass. Thank God for God. Thank you very much, Sherry KB. And Jordan L., you're next. And we'll have time probably for four more after you. Good morning, Jordan. Good morning. Can you hear me, Mel? I can. Hey, good morning. Good morning, guys. My name's Jordan L. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Colorado. Uh, and, um, so back in the day, more about alcoholism was my favorite chapter. And then I read We Agnostics. I, I listened to, um, Lori C and Joe and Charlie read We Agnostics, and then that became my favorite chapter, but this might be my favorite chapter now. Um, anyway, um, so that so I like I was reading the original manuscript yesterday, and that first line, um, the being convinced um, in the original manuscript it says, now if you are not convinced of these vital issues, talking about A, B, and C, what we read yesterday, um, you ought to reread this book up to this point, or else just throw it away. <laughs> Um, which I, I like a lot, right? Like, I kind of wish that someone had said that to me. Um, <clears throat> uh, my first time around in these steps, you know, because um, I wasn't convinced at this point. Like, I was just going through the motions, right? Um, but then it says, if you are convinced, we're at step three. Um, <clears throat> so we're turning our will and our life over. Uh, and... 
a little bit farther down, it's talking about being convinced again, right? Uh, that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. And that, for whatever reason, like my last time through the book with a sponsor here, that any really stood out to me. Um, because I was like, I was getting pretty convinced that my life run on self-will sucked. Um, but I, I would look around at me and I would see other people and I would see what I thought was um, like their life run on self-will, which is like, really, who am I to judge anyone else's life? I don't know, like, how they go about things, right? But even putting that aside, I would see these these lives of other people run on self-will that were seemingly successful, you know? And so I'm sitting there thinking, well, I'm just doing self-will wrong. <laughs> like, there's more to it. Um, I haven't figured out the right way to do self-will, right? Um, so I spent I spent a little bit of time in this step. Um, I kind of like switched sponsors during this step this last time around and um, and really spent some time um, analyzing uh, my life run on self-will, really spent some time in the results of my life run on self-will. Um, there was a particular instance where I had just gotten out of an AA meeting. I got in the car, I called my boyfriend, and um, <clears throat> I'm sure said something, I'll wrap it up, sure said something to him okay. that was like, we need to do this my way, blah, blah, blah. Um, and we ended up in a screaming match for the next 45 minutes, you know? So that's my life, run on self-will. Um, it's no good. It's not a success. <laughs> that's all I got. Thank you very much, Jordan L. The lines are now open for about four more people to comment on paragraph three and four, page 60 in your big book. Who would like to do that? Paula D. Hi, Paula D. Mariana D. Ashley P. Something, something, something D, just before Ashley. I didn't catch it. Mariana. Mariana. Okay, thank you. And then I have Ashley P. And I can take one more. Well, let's go with that in the interest of time ticking here. Paula D., Mariana D., and Ashley P., and we'll see where we go. Good morning, Paula. Good morning to you, my friend and fellow traveler, truly. Uh, this would be Paula D., recovered by and with the grace of God, and given three minutes. Grateful I am. You know, as we come here and as we read that's before, and I see the truth a bit, I finally saw the truth. I was an alcoholic, and I couldn't manage my own life. I tried to convince myself that, oh, yes, I could. But the end result was I saw it as it was. This is the exposure to the truth. And you know, it says above that the principles, a basic truth, that probably no human power, and Lottie, I tried, could have believed our alcoholism. And one dear, dear sponsor said, who do you love? And, of course, I said, my husband. And I said, no, you're a liar. Then again, the truth. Who do you love? I love my children. No, you don't. They never did come first. It was always a drug, a drink, or a bite. But look at what changed here. Being convinced, unless you are convinced, you will stay where you are. Still mindful of the time I am, because I have been given time. We were at step three. What a step which that we decided what a decision, and I followed through on that decision. Our life, and why am I reading this as it is? Because every part of it 
Every part of it is my life as it is. Just what do we mean by that? God as we understood him. I didn't understand God. You know, our, our friend Carl Jung said, when they asked him the question, they said to him, do you believe in God? And his answer, I know God. Today, I know God and what he's done just by what I've seen him do in my life. And I hear the miracles on this line of a life transformed in ways that I couldn't imagine. You know, it says the first requirement. Oh, requirements. Still mindful of the time. Working on my last minute here. The first requirement is that we convince that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. They're the truth. On the outside, it looked like a successful life. What a successful life. They had no idea what I was doing when I went home. They had no idea how the thoughts were ruling. To have God conscious, to think like God. No, I thought like Paula. I thought like Paula until that transformation was convinced. On that basis, we're almost always in a collision. Oh, you bet. Even though our motives are good. My motives in some situations were good. But as was said here, they were my motives. God works out things in his own time. You know, somebody said if he shuts a door, he opens the windows. Okay, so what are you going to do in the hallway? What are you going to do when your child hasn't lived the life that you decided they should live? Even though I never lived the life that my mother wanted me to live. You know, what a beautiful, beautiful couple of paragraphs. I never could find my favorite in this big book. Never could. And I don't think I'm not, I'm not meant to, because then I love it all, because all of it directs me in a way that I need a direction and guidance. My time is over. I thank you. Thank you so much for your service. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula D. Mariana D., you're next. Hi, thank you. Um, I love this, and it's... Um, it's something that oh, I'm Mariana D, compulsive overeater in Roseville, California. Um, every morning that I'm on a vision, I'm always learning <clears throat> and listening. And there's so many things that have been shared here that I think about during the day, and it's just what I need to hear. So today is no exception, of course. So in my life right now, you know, we're moving to a different state in two weeks from today. And my daughter's graduating from high school, and there's a lot of saying goodbyes um, here. And there's a lot of emotion, and then there's a lot of physical tasks, like packing up the house and all that. So I could really go into, like, um, depletion mode, um, trying to take everything on myself, not asking for help, um, caffeine, you know, being my best friend <clears throat> and just like being that whirling dervish of energy and depletion. And the nice thing is I don't have to be like that. And I do see the next two weeks as being very busy, yet it's always more God for me and that's what brings me peace. And I had a sponsor once say, um, you know, you can take quiet time or meditation during the day, you know, when you start to feel revved up and stressed, you can just sit down and have five minutes and take a breath. And I don't know why, I just always thought meditation was something I did in the morning. But having that throughout my day to kind of help me just take a breath and 
and just listen. What is the next right thing? And just the one next right thing, not the five next right things, but the one next right thing. And that brings me such peace. And I can't even look down the road at the whatever amount of, you know, hundreds of things I need to do in two weeks. I'm just looking at the next thing. And when my body's tired and I feel depleted because that's when I want to eat instead of rest, I need to go rest. Um, Or I need to have a little bit of meditation or make a call to someone on this line. And those things bring me such peace. And um, I'm noticing that just taking that breath and asking for the next right step, um, I, I actually can't believe how much peace I have right now. And I'm so grateful for that. So um, I think that's all I have. Thank you so much. I pass. Thank you, Mariana. That's Mariana D. Ashley P., you're next. Good morning. Hi, this is Ashley P., recovered in Northern California. Can I be heard? Yes. Okay. Uh, well, I'm really grateful for everybody on the line today, for everybody's shares, and, and again, for for being uh, on this page. Uh, it It's absolutely where I need to be reminded, um, uh, reminded today that that a, a life run on uh, self-will can hardly be a success. That's absolutely how my life has uh, been feeling recently. And to come back to the fact that when I feel that way, it is because I'm in self-will. It's because I'm not surrendered. It's because I'm not turning things over anymore. And um, reading this paragraph, um, the 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 thing that keeps coming up for for me um i i wasn't sure how i was running the show or or what the sort of initial um the initial idea was to to help me understand when i'm in self will and and what this what this paragraph reminds me of is that when i'm in fear uh i'm in self will and i'm making decisions that are based on fear, um, then I, I'm, I'm back in, in my self-will. And, and it's because I'm trying to arrange everything to get rid of that fear, to get rid of that discomfort. So when I ask questions like, what if this? Or what if that? Um, that's a, a, a helpful reminder to me that that is a decision that is is being based on uh, fear and 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 not on uh, surrender to my higher power. Um, and I guess a, another thing is I I thought well you know I'm not feeling huge and I'm not I'm not feeling uh, in in a ton of ego I'm actually feeling quite small. But again on the other hand. Um, uh, that we may be patient, generous, even modest and self-sacrificing. So there are just ways that my disease comes in. And uh, I am really grateful for working with sponsors, for getting in this book, for doing writing, um, because it it constantly keeps me in the steps and uh, turning things back over. Um, 
I did a 10 step last night, which uh, was very helpful to get some clarity on, on where the fear is coming from and uh, to, to constantly come back to my one, two, three, which is that uh, I am uh, that I am not in control and that my uh, my life is un unmanageable uh, when I when I am trying to be in control and with that I pass. Thank you, Ashley P. We have two minutes for a fellow who would like to take us to the end of this meeting today, the recorded portion, who would like to take that spot? Ruth M. Hey, Ruth M. It's yours. Thank you. Hi. Oh, I've been, I'm really grateful to be on the line this morning. I've been listening and listening, and I've um, really um, heard a lot of good stuff. And yes, I, you know, I took this step with my sponsor. Right now I'm on step, uh, I'm finishing up on my fourth step. I'm trudging through that, and I'm at the, almost at the end of it, finally. <laughs> But um, step three, yes, I I know there's a power greater than me. Um, I, you know, I don't know if it's a he or her, but I know it's a power greater than me, and that I have to turn my will and my life over to that power every single day, and sometimes all through the day. And um, my will just doesn't has gotten me in trouble for many, many years, and, and I, I just don't want to go back there. And so I I continue to um, seek my higher power for help, and I get it. And my life is so much better. It's not peaches and cream. It's not perfect, but it's so, so much better, and I have so much more peace um, as long as I as long as I trust and rely on God, and I'm just grateful, and I just wanted to claim my seat and thank you, everyone, for being on the line and um, sharing your experience, strength, and hope, and have a blessed day. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much, Ruth M., and thank you to everyone that shared today, and especially for the folks that made this meeting possible with their service. wanted to remind you to stay with us. We're going to just be doing the process of closing out the recorded portion, but we have more yet to come. So we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, and then we'll follow that with a serenity prayer. Sherry KB, would you please read that for us? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to ask. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.